This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh from the midterms that were supposed to have been devastating for all of us Democrats. In fact, they were not. We have held the Senate, going to try to hold on to it with one more seat. Stay tuned for that. Uh, call all your friends and family in Georgia. Um, barely lost the House. It feels as if if someone sneezes, we might get it back. Uh, but we shall we shall see. And we know how dysfunctional they may be on that side. So we'll still be very much in play as Democrats and providing the moral authority and leadership that the United States Capitol uh, has always needed. And so we're honored now to have with us uh, to talk about this and just how it was done and the importance of the way in which it was done. The director of coalitions and community engagement for the Democratic Party. Brincia Berry joins us now. Brincia, welcome to Make It Plain. How are you? Thank you so much, uh, Reverend Mark, for having me. And um, I'm doing good. I mean, still working um, to try to make sure that we expand this Democrat, Democratic majority. But, um, you know, we're incredibly excited, as you said, about the historic nature of the midterm elections. And um, just grateful for Chair Jamie Harrison's leadership um, in in making that happen. Yeah, no, and and thank you for all you've done. And it, 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 we'd like to talk about how it was gotten done and the importance of the work that you all did in terms of coalition building uh, to deliver the Senate and keep the House in play. First of all, we talk about coalitions and community engagement. We're talking about all the diverse constituencies that make up the Democratic Party, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this was part of Chair Harrison's vision was that we started to electoralize that uh, the diversity of the party. So formally within the Democratic National Committee, we have 17 constituencies from, you know, women's, Black, Latino, Native, youth, API, rural, disability, and, and the list goes on. It's in climate. And um, that work for us this cycle, typically when we were talking to communities, a lot of the communities that I just talked about, they said, hey, we are tired of politicians showing up two, two weeks before an election and asking for our vote. We want to hear from uh, the party, from uh, elected officials way earlier. And that is the charge that Chair Harrison took in making the investments in the infrastructure. So I know we talk a lot about the $90 million that the Democratic Party invested, the DNC particularly invested into um, democratic infrastructure and outreach and boots on the grounds from voter protection to data staff to coalition staff. But what does that mean for us? The stories that came out of it were, you know, here in Atlanta when the chair, uh, was doing his bus tour. We got to say hello to Miss Gloria Jenkins, who 
worked with us on a community engagement grant and she was organizing seniors. She was going to retirement homes to get people registered to vote. She was going to nursing homes to make sure that people uh, knew how to access their ballots and, and training people and mobilizing and organizing because we know that local knows best. So when it comes to our coalitions and the diversity of it, um, our job is to support and be here and connect in a genuine way well before we ask for people's vote. And this time we did that earlier than ever with the, the $48 million that we put on the ground, specifically for coalition staff and outreach to, to engage communities uh, with people from those communities. 17, I, I always try to count them in my head, but that makes sense. Yes. Uh, when, I mean, we can count up to 17. And I've always said uh, too, that the, the Democratic Party is, is really um, many parties, M-I-N-I, -I, a bunch of many parts at once. And frankly, that, that is what kind of gives us um, sort of a, a, a challenge, that embarrassment of riches. There are a lot of people to please, and that's your job. You got to please all people, don't you? Bless your heart. Yes, 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 yes. There are a lot of people to please, and it really does take a lot of work and listening and at the end of the day, our job is to make sure that we are hearing from constituents and voters and empowering them at a time where Republicans are trying to uh, disempower women, uh, voters of color disenfranchise us. You know, our job is to make sure that we are being very clear about the difference on the ballot, the difference between the values and what we as Democrats are accomplishing for for working families, but but also that what's at stake. We we see what happened with um, Dobbs, and we saw that uh, you know Justice Thomas made very clear that that's just the beginning point, and we as as Black folks and communities of color we have zero time to play around with the, the idea of going backwards. So. No question about it. It is, it, were the experiences you had during this midterm process with, um, specific constituencies that you found to be most fruitful, uh, Ritzia and, um, um, also the most difference making when it came to some of these election results. Yeah. So I will say, uh, the, the experiences that I found to be the most fruitful and, and it is challenging, right? Because there are so many constituencies, it's, you cannot apply a one size fit all, uh, strategy. But what we did is we tried to make sure that we were providing the resources for people to organize like they needed to in their counties, in their cities, in their states, and be uh, granular from that standpoint. But then also a program that I am really, really proud of and that uh, I know that the Democratic Party will continue to move forward is our translation assistance program. And we were able to translate over... Uh, voter education materials, voter registration materials into over 26 languages for people in the States. 
And that was from everything from Somali to uh, Chinese to, you know, Haitian Creole, because, uh, like I said, it wasn't a one size fits all, but it was a program that we were able to get, you know, the requests from folks in the States of what languages they needed to reach their communities and help them with translating that so that people had access in language to what they needed to know to go vote and to um, make sure that their voices were heard. No, that is, that is very, very important. Um, obviously, though, a couple of constituencies, and I mentioned earlier how the mainstream media tried to declare a red wave. That's not the only thing they tried to declare. A uh, couple other areas. Uh, Democrats aren't reaching the Latino electorate. Uh, um, that's, the numbers don't bear that out. Do they? That's another myth. Absolutely not. That is, that is a myth. And, and our Latino coalition director at the DNC, and we had several Latino coalition directors in the States as well that we, we funded and that we were supporting, you know, they really, really stuck to the, the, the data on the ground, their conversations with people, despite all of the media narratives that, you know, the Latino community was just overwhelmingly going to vote Republican. That was not the case. And we see that from the fact that there were nine Latino congressional members elected, Democratic members elected. And even in places like the Valley, which I know uh, people were, that was part of the media narrative as well in Texas on the border, that it was going to be overwhelmingly, uh, you know, it's a majority Latino population was going to be overwhelmingly Republican. And we had, we, there were um, Latino Democratic congressional uh, candidates that, that won their races despite the, the media narrative that they would not. And the numbers just held that at the end of the day, the Democratic Party does represent the values of working uh, people, and that is inclusive of the Latino community. They were never confused or, um, you know, they didn't take the bait that the Republicans thought that that they were going to. The only outlier, obviously, though, was was Florida to some extent. That wasn't a, a huge outlier, but we know we know Florida and the difficulties there. Uh, and, and some of the history there. So that's, that's always going to be a challenge, but everywhere else. Yeah. It, it was, it was, so then there's this other demographic. Um, well, first of all, the accusation that the democratic party, um, chaired by a black man, uh, does not speak to <laughs> or represent black men. Um, I'll, I'll share with my audience, um, as one of the co-founders of the most recent what, 30 years ago, black political party, they have ballot status. And we had this black political party and then, you know, we were doing all right. It was tough. But Reverend Jesse Jackson said, um, well, Mark, we already have, he went to this me one day. He said, Mark, we already have a black political party. We just don't act like it. Uh, <laughs> most of us are in the democratic party. And if we would make it do what we wanted to do for us, it could be that way. And it's doing that. We have Chair Harrison. We have uh, our sister Brentia, uh in, in this position. And these were roles that did not exist 
before Rep. Jackson's 84 and 88 campaigns uh, and began with Ronald Brown in, in 1988. But, but that wasn't true either. And the numbers show that uh, black men did come out and vote uh, for the Democrats, correct? Yes, yes. And I, I will preface, we are still waiting on a lot of data in a lot of states. However, uh, the exaggeration of Black men uh, turning out for Republicans, it was just that. It was an exaggeration. And, and we know that, um, you know, we're going to see where the numbers come back. And, and I won't get ahead of that. But exit polls and some of the num preliminary numbers that we do see, there, it is no longer acceptable for people to um, create the narrative that, you know, Black men are uh, leaving the party in droves. And it is our job to continue to um, speak the, the truth about the fact that Black voters overwhelmingly do show up and vote as Democrats. And, um, and we, I caution against the blaming any one constituency for democratic losses or gains. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, the, we could look at Georgia specifically. Um, and the numbers are showing um, the, the myth, the prediction was that black men would not vote for Stacey Abrams. Not only did they do that, but we, I think we're also seeing, and the numbers are still coming in, that there were just so many other white voters that voted for the incumbent. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I, and I think like for for us, the strategy as the as the party is to not take any vote for granted. And that's that's largely my department and the, the coalition's team's work is to make sure that year round all the time we are talking to black voters and brown voters and every other constituency about the issues that matter to them. And then also making sure that people have the information they need to be able to go vote. And Georgia's is a great example, right? I will make the shameless plug that early voting um, starts on the 28th, could start earlier in some counties. So go to IWillVote.com backslash Georgia. If you are in Georgia or if you know anybody in Georgia, please send them because um, right now we just have to make sure that we are getting the word out about how people can vote and making sure that they can access that in this most critical election where, um, you know, we no walker over here. And, and that talk about when we're talking about black men and the, uh, the, the choice at hand, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you speak to, to, to the idea of Herschel Walker being Senator here in Georgia. Yeah, bless his heart. Uh, and as everybody knows, uh, I, 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 there's a part of me that, that sympathizes and feels sorry. Herschel's not well, God bless him. And this is, frankly, to me, an example of exploitation, uh, unfortunately. And those who are exploiting him ought not be doing that. And they ought to be ashamed of themselves. But considering his condition and everything we're seeing, folks, we can't let this happen. What, um, um, Rencia is the coalition building. I mean, this now you're, um, 
everything is kind of um, compartmentalized into this this runoff situation in less than 30 days. So how do you deal with community engagement and coalition building in such a short period of time in one state? Well, that's the beauty of heroes like Stacey Abrams, who have been building the coalition infrastructure here on the ground in Georgia for over a decade, right? And so um, because she and, and I often look to uh, the bl blueprint that she laid here in Georgia of the cross-coalition, deep community organizing, talking to people from the community uh, and in language, accessible, all of that, like, I, I think that Georgia, as we saw in 2021, is very well equipped with that coalition's infrastructure and will continue to build on that. And when we look at Senator, the, the choice that is so evident between Herschel Walker and Senator Reverend Warnock and the values that, that are on the ballot um, and who and the type of senator that um, that Reverend Warnock is and who he represents, who he speaks to um, and not, you know, and bringing people together and unifying people intersectionally, as opposed to the divisiveness that we see from the Republican Party. That is the that is the clear choice. And I think Georgia is, is going coalition voters are going to to show up and, and make their voice heard. It help us understand, too, the way the numbers work. So right now. In the Senate, it, it, uh, it is it fifty one forty nine now, with, with without Senator Warnock yet. It's fifty one forty nine currently. It's fifty forty nine currently. Fifty forty nine. All right, yes. and and then if if he wins, it will be the fifty one. Yeah. And and that that makes yes that makes a, a bigger difference. Yes, it um, makes a huge difference. It, it, it help us understand why because we've had the situations with Mansion and Cinema. Articulate why why this is so important, please. Yes, yes, yes. So I will say that the accomplishments of um, the Biden administration are are pretty strong because, despite Republican obstruction, despite uh, the Republican senators, congressional members doing everything they can to stop people from getting. Um, lower health care costs, you know, the Rick Scott plan around Medicare and Social Security and getting rid of that altogether, this one vote, one could make the difference in our ability to codify Roe so that people have the uh, access to women have access to the health care that they need. This one vote could make the difference between us continuing to lower health care costs and stopping, um, you know, like you did mention, we do have, there is a Republican majority in, in Congress, and that's going to mean that we're going to have even more of a fight in the Senate. And one vote creates uh, a kind of, it creates all the difference for how much that we can get done as Democrats um, in Congress and nationally. And we've seen that with kind of the obstructionism of this last Congress. And we have to make sure that we um, have every single player in place for this this new Congress, especially for Democrats. Codifying role, marriage equality, codifying that. Um, I mean, we obviously we made you speak speak of, of Justice Thomas and what the Supreme Court is is threatening to do. 
Now affirmative action is on the chopping block. We may need to do things to codify that. Uh, and, and even dealing with gun violence, all that we've seen that has taken place over the past uh, weekend, as a matter of fact, these things are still uh, front of mind. And we know the other party is not, it doesn't have y'all 17 constituencies. Yeah. All right. We'll probably count maybe one. Uh, yes. uh, and that's it. And, and even the constituencies that think they're in the constituency of the other party are not. Uh, <laughs> so let's be, let's be clear, um, about that. Um, any, any closing argument you'd like to make closing thoughts, closing marching orders as we get ready for December 6th. Yes. Yes. I mean, marching orders are go to IWillVote.com backslash Georgia. Send that to all of your friends. And if you are outside of the state, please go to, um, you know, the Democrat staff or we can get you plugged into phone banks. You want to make calls into Georgia. We're making hundreds of thousands of calls. Um, if you want to come to Georgia, we can make sure that you get you plugged into to canvas um, kickoffs to knock doors. But we just, you know, everybody possible. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your cousins, your auntie, everybody. Um, and I, I also will say that um, some counties early vote need everybody to vote early vote in person, early vote in person and if you go to iwillvote.com slash Georgia, there are some counties that are starting early vote earlier than the 28th, but ac across the state, the 28th of November through the 2nd is early vote. So please go vote in person. Please go find your polling location. And other than that, just, you know, we have to continue to organize and mobilize and build this coalition and fight back against um, the Republican messiness and, and hatred that we know uh, exists over there and Democrats are going to continue to work. We know there's, there's more work to do. I'm not here to say like, oh, Democrats are a hundred percent incredible. Um, but we're at least working for our communities in a way that we know Republicans are not. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. And the work is ongoing uh, because it, it, two years, 2024 will be here before we know it. Absolutely. And there, there'll be other elections. There'll be special elections. And as we said, folks, if, if somebody sneezes, that majority could be back up again. So we have to be prepared. And we, we're glad we have our sister doing this work on um, the front line. Uh, along with uh, Chair Jamie Harrison, we thank her for joining us, Director of Coalitions and Community Engagement for the Democrats, Brencia Berry. Thank you, Brencia. Thank you so much. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.